What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the High Tempo Fast Break. Today, we are joined once again by a familiar face just recently on the podcast. Christian Buher is back. What's going on? Not a whole heck of a lot. I'm proud to be back. I'm proud to be leading the fast break. Uh, yep. You can call me the point guard, if you will. <laughs> nice. That was a good nice. one. I'm going to oop it to Easton now for the slam. <laughs> yeah, Let's so go. we're back today. Um, we figured we would bring Christian back on because, obviously, Lions free agency was pretty talked about and it's what happened this past week so we figured we might as well get him back on to talk now especially before the draft because we still have what like a month until the draft so mm-hmm. even longer than a month actually so we figured we have time to talk about and absorb lions free agency i don't think too much more is going to go down until the draft so we might as well talk about it and we got merch madness to talk about so like it's a good time to do do a podcast we are here on Sunday morning recording this, so we're going to talk about the games today, but obviously by the time you're listening to this, they are over, so you'll be able to see if we picked right or wrong for all of these games. So I think before we even talk about Lions, let's talk about March Madness mm-hmm. right now. We are in the second day of the round of 32 right now. Games tip off at noon, recording this right before then, so... Uh, yeah, we're, I say I think we should go through all these games and pick who we, who we think yeah, is going like to win. That. I like that I, I like lot. doing that, so... Uh, let's get right into it. I mean, first of all, let's talk about the high tempo group bracket mm-hmm. group challenge that I we're would in right love now. To. I'd Easton, love to talk about talk, it. Talk, talk your shit, dude. Man, I was I got so much shit for Creighton picking Creighton, and like I, they could still lose. they played one game. Yeah, they could lose this <laughs> round. Like, and I and I get that, but like my bracket looks really nice right now. Like, really, really nice. I think my whole lead eight's still there. I'm only missing one team in my Sweet Sixteen. I think. Uh, Looks I, like you have the highest max too. I don't know. Seventeen seventy. Yep. Uh, I, I, I've been doing pretty good, but I still have some like wild picks. Like FAU needs to make a, they need to make it to the Elite Eight. I have them all the way there. Uh, I have some other weird ones, but Creighton still. I mean, Creighton could lose today, and then all of a sudden I look like an idiot. Right. I'm right back to looking like a loser. <laughs> so uh, I'm really dependent on that. But I'm so happy I didn't pick. You know. I didn't pick Kansas. I didn't yeah. pick Purdue. I'm so happy I went with a little bit of a weirder team this year. Right. And even St. Mary's. What a pick. What a pick out of us. For now. <laughs> oh, what a pick. They got a tough game today against UConn. I have UConn going deep in a lot of almost every single bracket except for the one that you and me did. So <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Christian, you're, you're looking at a solid seventh place right now in this group of 45-plus people. So that yeah. there's nothing to be shy about there. You have a high max as well. I mean, you're in a good spot. Yeah. No, I feel good about it. Um, Who'd you pick? Who's your champ? Oh, uh, UCLA. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The fight in Mick Cronin's. Yeah. Um, my whole thing was I like to identify the one seeds that I think are going home early, and I nailed it with both of them. I had Purdue losing to FAU. Um, Me as well. So, Me too. But Fairleigh Dickinson took care of that. Yep. Uh, and then I had Kansas losing to Arkansas, which I'm just now realizing, which I feel really awesome. That's huge. <laughs> nailed that. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. huge. Um, so I feel really good about both of those. Obviously, I still have my whole final. Actually, no, I don't have my whole final four. I had Duke going to the final Ooh, four. That's tough. I had him um, losing to Tennessee. So that one's that one tough. Right. I and I'm so, I'm back and forth. I have two brackets. So one of them I had Duke. One of them I had Marquette. Actually, I just checked, and the one I had in your guys is I had Marquette beating Duke. Um, but also, I watched Michigan State play on. What was it, Friday? Friday, yep. That looks like a team that's going to make a run. It, Them boys look like they're going to make some noise. I would agree. And they're the most classic Michigan State team to make a run. Yes. They're the team that, we know, like you said, 
Nobody, like, this team isn't that great on paper. And even in the regular season, they weren't that great. But it was just like, yeah, this team's going to get hot. Like, you can just kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got some big-time players who step up in big-time moments. And I think of Tyson Walker as just Tyson that Walker. guy. When I, talk, when I talk about the guys who step up in big yeah. moments, it's Tyson Walker. And he hasn't even been the guy that's been stepping up over these last several games. It's been Joey Hauser and mm-hmm. Jaden Akins and yeah, A.J. Yeah. Holgar. Akins, like, Friday night. Holy shit, was he playing yeah. clamps. Akins is a, he's a great player on a team he's a very underrated player on a team that if he was on another team he would be much more yeah. talked about for yeah sure. me and barry hill got into a debate the other day and and uh i'm not gonna slander what barry hill saying because he's not here to defend himself but we he said that kobe buffkin is definitely better than jade nakins and I, I i looked at him and i said i disagree i said definitely is crazy I said you can say better. I'm okay with that, and and I do think there's an I think there's definitely an argument for Aikens to be better than Buffkin, uh, but to say definitely, that was my issue with the it was this choice of words. Yeah, yeah. you want to say better, okay. That, that's We've cool. talked about this a lot though, because Kobe Buffkin, I don't know if he's better, but he has a better role than Jaden Aikens. Yeah, does. that's what I said. And like, and then defensively, I mean, Jaden Aikens is. I mean, Kobe Buffkin's got the length. He's got a little bit like he's he's not beefy the way Jaden Aikens is. Yeah, Jaden Aikens, you don't get to the hole mm-hmm. ever on him. He is such a strong and he's body, a great shooter as well, so fast. I think, and that's where I was like Barry Hill. I think you're just kind of. I think you're seeing through the eyes of a Michigan fan yeah. right now, uh, and not taking a step back. Jaden Aikens, what a baller! And I mean, also, Kobe Buffkin's team is uh, eliminated from the NIT right <laughs> yeah. now. You know, and it's just I don't like, want to talk about that. <laughs> hey, he didn't play. He didn't <laughs> yeah. play. That's true. Um, but you mentioned Joey Hauser as well, and I think he's the X factor with that Michigan State team. I think Joey Hauser, ever since he transferred to Michigan State from. Marquette, what was that, like three, four years ago yeah, now? Yeah, he's in his third season. Yep. He's had a role that everybody's envisioned him playing as like a stretch four shooter, and he hasn't he like the the expectations were set so high for him that he was never going to mm-hmm. live up to those. Mm-hmm. And that was I feel like that was his first two years. And then this year, everybody kind of took a step back and they're like, Joey Hauser's gonna be more of a leader. He's gonna pour in his ten to twelve and he's just gonna give everybody else what they need. Now Joey Hauser is that guy. Yeah. He is the player everybody thought he was going to be when he got here. And for that reason, I think he makes Michigan State so much better now. And he's had a lot of confidence issues, yes. you know, like he, Tom Izzo talked about it openly, actually, with the press at the end of the season last mm-hmm. year. And said when Joey Hauser was coming back, he said, like, I'm proud of Joey for coming back because he's had a lot of issues with fans and media yeah. critic with criticism of him. And he's not a very confident person. Whereas this year, it really seems like all that is gone. I mean, he really has every single game. He comes out and he gets his shots. He knocks him. Like, he, he really has not had many games this year where it's like, Joey and there was yeah, a lot of games yeah. like that lot, in the past couple of years you know like it was it. like oh what are you doing like that uh, he's been the most consistent player I think for MSU this season so uh, he's got his revenge game today against Marquette obviously yeah. so we'll see obviously it's really been quite some time since he's been at Marquette yeah. so it's not that big of a uh of a revenge game for him I'm looking at my bracket in the in the high tempo group right now I have seven out of my eight Elite Eight still intact, with Duke one being the one that's not in it. But my Final Four is still all good, but MSU is in my Final Four. So it's just like, I mean, obviously I'm rooting for them, but you never know. Let's look at our bracket, Easton, the one that we filled out. If you did not listen, by the way, go check it out. We filled out a bracket in the last podcast. St. Mary's, we got them winning the whole entire thing. Risky pick, but hey, you got to make risky picks. Right now, seven out of our eight Elite Eight is also intact. With We're te- dogs. We had Texas A&M in the Elite Eight. 
which yeah. sucks because <laughs> they went out round one. Yeah. Um, but Houston obviously won last night, so they're going to be in it. UCLA is there as well. St. Mary's, we're going to need them to go on a run. But like we have FAU versus Michigan State. That could happen. FAU That's has realistic. a pretty, Certainly pretty good happen. path looking right now. Mm-hmm. Um, then Alabama versus Creighton, so we need Creighton to continue to go on their run. So we'll see what happens. But right now it's still wide open in this high-tempo bracket group. So we'll give a quick shout-out to some of the guys that are up at the top. My cousin Boo, he is in number one right now, but he is his only two out of his final four remain, so <laughs> it's not looking good for him. Easton in second. Barry Hill tied with him for second. And then some other guys that I don't know, so I'm not going <laughs> to say him for now. All right, is that pretty much it? Are we good to talk about these games now? Yeah. Pick pick yeah, our let's, winners let's for the games. Let's run it. Let's get it. So first game at 12-10 coming right up. We have 11-seeded Pitt taking on three-seeded Xavier. Xavier is five-point favorites. These are all done through Caesar Sportsbook, by the way. <clears throat> Um, so who do we got, Xavier or Pitt? Give me Xavier. Yep, I like Xavier as well. I took Xavier as like a sleeper pick to go to the Final Four in a lot of brackets, so I will also rock with Xavier. But Pitt, the playing team, the playing team has been kind of a a trend these last couple of years. So we'll well, we're going to see the other playing team here in a couple of games. That's, 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 that's true. You're right. Sense. You're right. <laughs> All right, next at 240, we have six-seeded Kentucky taking on three-seeded Kansas State. However, the lower-seeded Wildcats – Wait, they're both Wildcats, actually. The lower-seeded Kentucky <laughs> yeah. are the favorites to win. They're three-point favorites over Kansas State. Um, When you look at the trends, normally when you get an upset pick like that where the, the lower-ranked team is favored, the higher seed normally like will blow them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love what Calipari has done with his team the last however many Weeks, I think that it, the problem you get in, you run into with all these one and dones is if you don't have like the An- Anthony Davis's, the John Walls, it can go awry and it can go awry fast. But I think that Cal Perry's done a good job of riding the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Kentucky here. And I think I had Kansas State making. I think I had Kansas State winning in my original bracket, and I'm gonna stay with that. I think Kansas State's a good team, and I and I, this is just one of those years where. Feels like Duke's already lost. Like feels like yeah, Kentucky's going to be out of it. Kansas out of it. Feels like it's going to be a whole like slate of new teams for the most part. I love that. Though. Uh, I love so that's where I'm going to go with Kansas State. Give me the purple boys. Yeah, I think I'm also going to rock with Kansas State here, strictly for the thing that you were talking about because this this opened at actually Kentucky was only one point favorites and now they're three point favorites. So money's obviously going on to Kentucky here. So it's it's tough. Like I don't. It's it's so hard with the lower seed yeah. being the favorite over the higher seed, so that's why I do think Kansas State will win this one. But this is going to be a good game. Winner of this game will take on winner of Michigan State versus Marquette in the Sweet 16. So this is a pretty important game. That's our next game. Seven-seeded Michigan State taking on two-seeded Marquette. Marquette are three-point favorites in this one. Give me Sparty. Go. Me I mean, today it's today it's go green energy. I'm I've never been. A, I'm not a hater. I've never been that type of uh, fan of Michigan. Uh, so it, it, today it's go green. I've totally taken Sparty today. I love Michigan State right now. I think that like I'm a Michigan fan too, but I just think that this is a prototypical Tom Izzo making something out of nothing. It's like you have the pieces there. You have your shooters. You have your your ball dominant guards. You have your big. Sissoko has looked really good. Yeah, uh, I think it was Ant Wright uh, said he's onto on, like onto the onto the Soko. Oh, like nice. Giannis mixed with Matty Sissoko. <laughs> Sorry, it took me so long to say that, but that's funny. He, uh, 
he looks really good. I yeah. think this is, and you give Tom Izzo the pieces, he, all he's got to do is put them together. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is a really good Michigan State team. Yeah, I'm taking MSU, obviously. I'm an MSU fan, but it's it's not going to be easy. No. It's going to be a stressful game. I'm not, like, I want it to get here, but the second it starts, I'm going to want it to be over. Uh, and But we got to make the Sweet 16. It's been a couple years since, you know, since we've made the Final Four. We have not returned to the second weekend of the tournament. So, mm-hmm. Shaka Smart is not known to win these big games in the tournament ever since he went on that run with VCU years back. So uh, I'm going to go with MSU, obviously, in this one. Yeah, and shout out Tom Izzo for flexing a little muscle the other day, oh, breaking that clipboard, not even over his knee. No. Are you kidding me? That is ridiculous. The whiteboard, I said clipboard, but he breaking it. He didn't even need the knee. That's that old man strength. Oh, right yeah, there, that's dude, dad's dude. strength. Yeah, exactly. Steven was watching. He's like, I got to show Steven. <laughs> he was pretty scared, yeah. I got to show him what I'm about. <laughs> and that was also a Rocket Mortgage whiteboard. Yeah, Shout exactly. out Matt Ishby and Dan Gilbert. <laughs> or no. <laughs> Yeah, I think Ishbia is Ishbia's United a, Wholesale Mortgage yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Dan Gilbert is Rocket Mortgage. Shout out Dan Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. All right. Snap that sucker right that in so, half. That is so funny. <laughs> Next game, 6-10. We have, this is one of the toughest games to pick all day. Five-seeded St. Mary's taking on four-seeded UConn. Oh, UConn gosh. is four-point favorites in this one. These are two teams that I won't, both want them to go deep, yeah. but it just can't happen. <laughs> uh, I'm going St. Mary's strictly because... There's just something about them. There's just the mm. St. Mary's. I love it. I love their logo. I love everything. The Gales. And I, I don't really know much about UConn this year. I really don't. Uh, give me St. Mary's. UConn's got all the pieces to be a national championship team. They've got the Jordan Hawkins. They've got a bunch of big guys whose names I can't pronounce. <laughs> um, but something has always felt like it's short with them. Something has always felt like it's coming up short with them. I don't see that change in here. Give me the Gales. Give me St. Mary's. I like them a lot. I'm going to go with UConn strictly because I placed a futures bet on UConn to win the national championship <laughs> like two months ago. So I'm trying to get that cash out value. Up. I'm trying to get that up right now. So I'm going to go with UConn. Like what is that? What is one. that? Uh, you don't got to tell me. What, is the, what are the odds? I only on put that? I put $3 on them to win it like two months ago. They're like plus 4000 or something to win. Gotcha. So gotcha. Like, the cash out right now is like 450 So like if they win this game, it's probably going to go up to maybe like 20 bucks, 15 to that 20 That ain't bad. Bucks. Are you thinking? Maybe not that high. Probably like 10 bucks, but, but then you they're wait not going to win at all. There's no way they do. So you wait for them to win more, one more game and cash out. We'll see. It depends on who they got to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next, we have six-seeded Creighton taking on three-seeded Baylor. Another really tough one mm-hmm. here. Neither team is favored here. It is a pick em game. So what are we thinking here? We, we know who I'm going with. Yep. I'll, I'll get mine right out of the way. I've been, I don't know why I've been so Creighton obsessed all of a sudden, but <laughs> give me Creighton. I mean, it's, it's all the way. Yeah. They're, they're going to win it all. I like Creighton. I'll take I'll I'll take the what are they the Blue, the Blue Jays? Jays. Blue Jays. They are yeah. Blue Jays. Shout out the Shepherd Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah there you go. No, um, I'll take Creighton. I will also take Creighton here. Uh, Baylor, you know, they just it, this isn't their year. You no. know, they've had their time. They've had their years. This one just isn't their year. Okay. So give me Creighton. Next, we have the game that is most exciting here. We have sixteen seated. Yes, sixteen seated. Fairly is it fairly or farley? I don't know. I've I think heard it's it said fairly. both ways. I, I don't it's fairly. That's, that's what, what I've I thought. Been rocking with. Fairly Dickinson, the only Dickinson in the tournament this year. <laughs> 
taken on not oh, just a shit talker, <laughs> dude. No, stop. I saw that on Twitter and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, taking on nine seated FAU. FAU is heavily favored in this one at uh, minus fifteen and a half. That's crazy. That is oh. wild. How do we feel? Do, do we think that Farley Dickinson can take it another round here? They, they got lucky that they ran into Purdue first round. Like that was <laughs> a lucky, lucky. That's first round. That's a uh, yeah. matchup. It's the perfect it's a weird draw. thing to say. Yeah, I mean you you couldn't be. I bet you like their coach. I mean Tobin Tobin Anderson. He was a thousand percent right. He knew. I mean he said. I've been watching Purdue. They suck. That's the best call your shot moment ever. And remember, on all the tweets, Darren Fox, the, this is going to be a historic blowout. Yeah. No, Tobin, anybody who's watching Purdue knew there was a shot yeah. that this yeah. was going to happen. Like you said, us three all had them losing in the second round to FAU. They didn't even make it to FAU. Yeah. They lost to a team who wasn't supposed to be in the exactly. tournament. We all knew. We Everybody, uh, us three knew. Purdue was fraudulent. They pulled Zach Eady out, gave him the L.A. Clipper Rudy Gobert treatment, pulled him out, made him guard on the wing, and he got torched. And it was awesome. I mean, it wasn't an incredible win, but I think their run is pretty much over. You yeah. couldn't get luckier than playing Purdue in the first round. And FAU, I think, is... FAU, and at that point, you you can't have a letdown against a team that just beat a number one seed. Yeah. You're not going to be no. like, oh, who are these guys? You know, These guys are easy. It's like, oh, shit, they just beat Purdue. Exactly. Kind of so I don't think you, you have a letdown. I think FAU kills them today. Yeah, I agree. I think FAU kills them as well. They probably honestly cover this minus 15 and a half, but... Farley Dickinson, it was cool. You know, like you're Shout never going to be mad man. about losing this second round game. No. You won as a 16 seed. Like that's the that was the greatest upset in tournament history for 1, sure. So I'm going FAU. Yeah, I think that what it boils down to too, and you mentioned what what uh, Farley Dickinson did on offense, but I want to talk a little bit about what they did on defense, which is they didn't have to do much because the only person on Purdue's roster that wanted to shoot the ball in the last 10 minutes of the game was the lawyer kid. Yeah, yeah. if the ball wasn't in lawyer's hands, it was. Like they were just trying to get it there. Mm-hmm. The Braden Smith, he will be a good player, but his freshman eligibility showed. He turned the ball over what seven times, mm-hmm. and then the Gillis dude had so many open looks and missed one or two of them. And then all of a sudden, he didn't want to shoot the ball anymore. And anytime they could get the ball into Edie, somebody from Fairleigh Dickinson just took it away. <laughs> and I think that, like you guys mentioned, Florida Atlantic's going to be a little more on guard. It's not going to hit. It's not going to go until the last five minutes for them to hit and be like, "Oh crap, we can lose." Um, and I think that they'll. Florida Atlantic will have guards that are confident. They can play confident. They've got experienced guys in their backcourt. I think they win this game. Um, that 15-and-a-half line, you almost want to take it because yeah. you know that so many people are going to bet on Fairleigh Dickinson to cover it. Exactly. You almost want to take it because mm-hmm. you – like. I could see that game getting ugly. Oh, absolutely. I honestly don't like any of these lines today. Like I I you know, I like a lot of them yesterday like I was comfortable with today. I don't think I like any of them, dude. They're all so just like fishy. Like even yeah. this one is the most like I want to take FAU here, but what if what if what if these guys are still motivated? You know, like, what if they don't, <laughs> yeah. they're not satisfied with just yeah. beating the one seed. They want to keep it going. Like the real question is how big of a upgrade or how big of a raise does this uh fairly dickinson's coach get like oh. what, what level does he go to is he immediately into power five or are, we, or are we talking like you know right outside of the power like where's his next job where you know what i'm saying yeah i have no idea what do you think right down the road getting to mount pleasant i'm being <laughs> serious i think that tony barbie's had 
I think he's had 17 wins in two years. Like, you give him one more year, and if that Tobin yeah. Anderson dude is still available, yeah, go real. get him because he was a winner at the Division II level. He just engineered the best upset in tournament history. Mm-hmm. Like, that dude's stock is going to go up. The price for that dude just went up. Oh, Andy, yeah, he'll be gone next year. Yeah. Like, Andy's he, got awesome handles. He's got really? rip handles. Yeah, he was on the show. He started doing spider dribble. He was Actually. doing in and out. He was, he was going crazy. <laughs> but I agree. CMU's freshman of the year. Just, just transferred. He's gone. See, I think I think CMU like there's. I think he is going much higher level than <laughs> like honestly. Like if, if he not though, is. If yeah, yeah not he probably. Though. But it is. They are such a small school. But you even look like last year, like St. Peter's, their coach. He immediately went to uh, Seton, Seton Hall. Hall. How yeah. I mean, he did a go to Seton Hall. He was a former player at yeah. Seton Hall, which obviously that has a lot to do with it. But I don't know. I mean, obviously, if they lose this game, it's a little bit. If they just get blown out in this game, I don't know what happens. But clearly, I think he's going to get a payday somewhere yeah, for else, sure. I would assume. Yeah. Go ahead. The only other thing I would add to that is that uh, Florida Atlantic, the the coaches, obviously the coaches who are responsible for the scouts, do we think anybody <laughs> put a scouting report together for Fairview <laughs> Yeah, No, no. I doubt it. I think that the, they were so hands-on getting ready for Purdue, they're like, you know, we got to get ready for the number one seed. For sure. <laughs> now you got a day. You got 48 hours. To prepare for the to, 16 yeah. seed that you've seen play. And you got to try to actually, like, prepare your guys and not just, like, where they're like, oh, we get to 16 seed. Yeah. You know? Like, they, it's hard to get your guys to actually, like, commit to mm-hmm. taking yeah. it seriously, I guess, which they should. They're in the tournament. So, um, last two games of the day, this is another really tough one. We have five-seeded Miami taking on four-seeded Indiana. The Hoosiers are two-point favorites. Hoosiers are two-point favorites in this game. Uh, the Big Ten has showed me that I believe there is one good team in the entire Big Ten, and I think, and I don't mean even good team. I think there's one team that is poised for a tournament run, and I think that is Michigan State. I don't see Indiana winning even this game, and if they win this game, I don't see them moving on. Uh, give me Miami in this game. I had them going to the Final Four. Respect. I love the Hoosiers. I think that they have the unique blend that can take a team from the Big Ten over the top. I think that they have a pro in the backcourt, that Hood Shafino, Jalen Hood Shafino, yep. and they have a pro big, Trace yes, Jackson Davis. So they really aren't ever overmatched. And they have shooters as well. Yeah, and they have them. shooters, guys like Miller Cop. And you, what you run into too many times with these Big Ten teams is you've got a team with a really good big, um, you know, the Caleb Swanigan, Travion Williams, Hunter Dick- even Hunter Dickinson teams come to mind where they don't have it in the backcourt. Yep. To compete with teams with one good dimensional. guards. Or the other way around, where you've got really good guards and no bigs. And I think Indiana's got just the right amount mm-hmm. of that. And mm-hmm. then their draw is decent as well, like Miami. Um, and then I think they're what with Houston. They would play Houston if Houston wins. Yep. So that would be, I mean, I think they got the ideal draw. To mm-hmm. where, and then the ne- you get to the next round, maybe they outscore Houston. Houston isn't really a scoring threat as much. So I love the Hoosiers here, and I like the Hoosiers as well moving forward. I think I'm picking the Hoosiers as well. I don't like – I mean, I, I like rooting for the Big Ten because, you know, we've been made fun of in the tournament yeah. the last so many years, and we need to turn that around. Obviously, with the our number one seed getting knocked off <laughs> in the first round, that doesn't help things at all. So we need as many teams as possible to keep going here. A lot of people are shitting on the Big Ten, too, for, like, Northwestern losing yesterday. And what was the other team that lost yesterday? Maryland. The Big Ten? Maryland, yeah. It's like those teams were never going to win no. that game. You right. know? They made it to the second round. That was their ceiling. You know, yeah. They were never going to win that game. So you can't get mad at those teams. But a team like Indiana, they got to win this game to get some respect for the Big Ten. Obviously, MSU's got to win this game as well. So I'm taking Indiana to beat Miami in this yeah, one. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of just, like, pissed off at the Big Ten. Just, yeah. like, angry. I'm yeah. just, it is annoying. I, I've got this... 
I don't know what the like. It's like a revenge or a vengeful feeling. Oh yeah, about yeah. the entire. I Big hate Ten. the Big Ten. I'm so mad at the whole Big Ten right now. I'm mad at the tournament committee for letting this many Big Ten teams it, in the it, tournament. It's so stop doing it. Like it just makes us look so bad. Mm-hmm. The, I listened to um, the Mark Titus show. I it's my yeah. second favorite podcast after this one, and um, <laughs> yep. he he was talking about how games in the Big Ten are officiated differently. And then, like, they don't call as many fouls on the big guys. Mm-hmm. And so then when you get into the tournament play and it's different officials who are calling fouls on the big guys, setting the tone, they're calling more hand checks, things like that. The physical play, you can't bully a team like that, like a lot of, like, Purdue was able to do or what essentially, like, what Rutgers used to do. Yeah. Um, and what makes the Big Ten so interesting night in and night out is, like, who's tougher tonight yeah, wins the game. For sure. That, that doesn't happen in the Big Ten. No. So. And that's I do like Titus show too as well because he is a Big Ten guy obviously yeah. so it's nice to hear because a lot of these shows just talk about the SEC and yep. the Big Twelve which makes sense because those are great conferences but it's cool to see insight from him as mm-hmm. well. Last game of the day we have six seeded TCU taking on the three seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are four and a half point favorites here. This is the late game. Probably Zags. Probably Zags. Give me give me Drew Timmy. Uh, See what he does. Probably, yeah, give me Zags. I like Gonzaga just because it feels like nobody likes Gonzaga right now. Yeah. It feels like every year we've been getting our hopes up. This is the Gonzaga team that's going to do it. This is the Gonzaga team that's going to do it. And they always flame out. And, well, I don't think this is the team that gets to a Final Four. I think that this is a team who can certainly contend to get there. I mm-hmm. think they win today. I think that they probably win in the Sweet 16 as well. Um and then moving forward, who knows? But. And they're in the Kansas region, right? So they, I, b- I believe that they are in the same region at region as Kansas was, correct? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So that obviously is a big, that's huge for them. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Gonzaga as well. We talked about that same thing, you know, like Gonzaga has been this hyped up team every year, and they, you know, they end up not making it. Maybe I mean they made the championship obviously a couple years ago, but maybe this is the year that they decide to go on a run when they're a little less talked about. Yeah, so I will quietly. also pick Gonzaga. All right, that's it for college basketball talk. Sorry if you're only here to hear talk about the Lions because we are finally to it. Let's, Let's get into it. Um, so I think the first thing we are going to do is go through, obviously, all of the Lions signings and re-signings that they have made so far in this free agency. And we can give them a grade, you know? Like, what do we think about all of these uh the things that the Lions have done so far. So the first thing the Lions did, a, lo- a lot of these are going to be really quick because they are not crucially important. Um, but the first one was a fan favorite signing, re-signing Isaiah Bugs, mm-hmm. two-year uh, contract worth $6 million. What are we thinking about the re-signing of Isaiah Bugs? I mean, if we're grading picks, that's an A+. Plus. Yes. Or grading re-signings. What a, what a move. Uh, obviously, being the fan favorite really helps the look. But money move. Money move. Yep. I'll give it an A as well. I like it a lot. I think that while it doesn't address the whole defensive line, I think that having him back on the interior is huge. And committing to a guy who is very obviously committed to being in Detroit with two years, give him some stability. Uh, Love the move. Love it. Me too. Uh, This one's going to be really fast. Craig Reynolds brought back on a one-year deal for $1.1 million. A plus. Cool. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Awesome. We could always use another guy back there, a hard worker. And he's a dog. I mean, (laughs) he is an absolute dog. Exactly. Um, the contracts of both of our young tight ends, Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra, both were tendered, so they will be back on the team next year. Cool. 
Yeah. Sweet. Sick. Let's keep awesome. running that. I honestly think that they may end up drafting a tight end, which might get me booed out of here. But <laughs> um, I think that those guys will compete for spots next year. But if you have the opportunity to get better at the position, you should. Yeah, I saw a mock draft recently that had us taking like a tight end in like the fourth round uh, of the draft and looking look there, uh, which I wouldn't mind at this point. Darnell Washington. Give me Darnell Washington. That would, he's a prospect, that's I for sure. <laughs> All right, now we get into the actual <laughs> meat of the signings here. Uh, I'm skipping Matt Nelson. Sorry, Matt Nelson. Welcome back to the team. Yeah. <laughs> John Kaminsky brought back for a two-year, $9.5 million contract. The commish is back in Detroit after wanting to come back to Detroit. That I mean, good move. It's yeah. just it's just one of those moves that we had to make, and it was I think it was clear that he was probably going to come back, and here he is back on the lines. Yeah, yeah he gets a payday too. Glad that we made this move as well. I think that Kaminsky, like Bugs, is a guy who's committed to being in Detroit, and I think that you should try to get all those guys back yeah. that you could. And obviously, you don't have to break the bank to do it, so that's mm-hmm. the best part. Yeah, that's a huge thing when you're getting those those role player type guys, role mm-hmm. athlete mm-hmm. type guys. Uh, if they want to be here and you can sign them for cheap, that's better than going sometimes maybe going out and getting a more talented yeah. guy uh, who doesn't want to be here and is just chasing a bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way I feel about and that. And Kaminsky kind of broke out at the end of the year last year, so yes, maybe you give him a full year with this unit. Maybe he really becomes a you know a elite player at his position. Who knows? Um, next, we have one that you know up to this point, these have all been fan favorite moves. We love them. This one is a little more controversial. Alex Anzalone brought back on a three-year, $18.75 million contract. I've been trying to read the details of this contract, and Christian, maybe you know a little bit more about it than I do. I'm kind of reading that there's zero money of this as guaranteed money, which I'm I'm trying to figure that out. I've been really trying to read into it, but it, I don't. I think this is a very team friendly contract than most fans think. Yeah, I think so too. I don't have the details on me right now, and I right. don't want to speak if I don't know all of the details. But no, I I do believe it's very low guarantees. Yeah. Um, I think that what it is is I think he wanted some stability in terms of he had just played the last two years both on one-year deals so he wanted a longer deal Detroit didn't want to give him all this guaranteed money and essentially it's just a longer prove-it deal gotcha um to where the Lions aren't tied to this if he doesn't play well they aren't super tied to this um for the long term and I honestly at first I was like we need to go upgrade but I was never opposed to him coming back I think that he had his best year of his career last year with the Lions, and I think that he, as a leader, is everything they want for their defense. Now it's just about can you get him to the next level where he is in the conversation for like a top half of the league in terms of linebackers. So I like the move. I like what the move says. Um, And him having stability, the Lions getting a culture guy back who can also play. Uh, like both Bugs and Kaminsky were as well, so I think it's a good move. I would have. This is like the one area where I wish we would have went big, just because mm-hmm. there were so many good linebackers yeah. out there. Um, but I, by no means, dislike the move. I think it's a pretty good one. Um, it keeps the defense, the core of the defense intact. You don't got to teach a new guy the whole scheme, um, and he's a leader. So yeah, super so helpful. With a non-guaranteed contract like that. Is a lot of it based off of snaps played, tackles? There's, incenti- there's incentives attached to it, yeah. So okay. you, whatever they worked out can be snaps, can be tackles. It could get a bonus for like interceptions. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It could just be being, I, I believe everybody gets this, but it could just be being on the roster by a certain day. Oh, okay. It yep, guarantees yep. you a certain amount of money. So. Gotcha. A way I've always tried to relate it to, because I think that NBA 
contract situation is a lot simpler than the NFL because the NFL has a lot of weird, like the whole restructure thing yeah, in the NFL so has weird. Been, is such a weird thing to me. Something that I've always thought of is like when you have like a, like let's, we're going to talk about it, like the Cam Sutton deal where it's like a three thirty-three million dollar contract, but $22 million is guaranteed. I look at it as in the eyes of this is a two-year contract plus a team option, essentially. Yeah. You know, that's how I like to look at it because the, I feel like the NBA contracts are much simpler. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Uh, Oh, shoot. I had a, Oh, and my other question, this is unrelated. Uh, Zeke goes out. He has how many years left on his deal or whatever, and he just gets cut. Yeah. So do the Dallas Cowboys got to pay that money still? They'll have, he's cut? They'll, what'll happen is um, they designated him as a post-June 1st release. So essentially that means that he probably had a roster bonus set in place for like June 3rd. Mm-hmm. Slay was the same way. So they would cut him. Right before he's about to get that roster bonus, and then that would take away some of the money that they would owe him. Um, but they're still going to owe him some money. They'll still have money. to pay him something, yeah. yeah, and they may agree to something. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, the NFL contract situation is It's very is weird because a lot of times it's cheaper to just cut a guy than try to uh, trade a guy to another team. Or, yeah. like, if you're another team, it makes no sense for you to trade for him because you have to take on that contract. But it saves a lot of teams money when you cut them. It's a whole situation. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's get into the next one though. Or actually, actually, I do want to ask you this, Christian. Yep. Um, a guy that we talked about on the last episode was Tremaine Edmonds. Was the guy yes. that we really liked. But we go see Tremaine Edmonds get the absolute bag from the Chicago Bears. Four years, seventy-two million. I'm pretty sure it was fifty-something million dollars guaranteed. It might have been fifty on the dot. Um, is that is something that we are now happy that we didn't do? Obviously, he's in the division, so it sucks, but. What what are you, what's your opinion on the deal? I guess. Yeah, no, I think it fits with what the Bears are trying to do because they had so much dang cap space that they wanted to go crazy and spend all that money. But well, I think Edmonds is a very good player. I also don't hate the idea of not shelling out money like that this mm-hmm. off season. I wanted coming into it, you want them to spend because you can see it right. Like the, as soon as the season ends and you beat Green Bay, you're like, I want to get every good free agent. I want to do this, yeah. this, this. But at the same time, you can tell that Brad Holmes and and his staff are very calculated mm-hmm. and very measured with the money that they're spending and we'll get into this with Jamal Williams but they have a price tag on everybody they tear out players um, during the offseason where they're going okay this group of players we're willing to pay x amount of money for this amount of player or this group of players who want to pay this amount and if Edmonds wasn't a guy who they had in that tier then I mean you can't really doubt his process because it has worked mm-hmm. um, so while it would have been nice to see him in a Lions uniform I think that at the same time, you take a look at what some of these other teams... And, like, if, if you sign a guy to a four-year contract and he plays out the length of that four-year contract to what you're paying him to be, that's a massive win. Mm-hmm, but sure. this could also very happen, yeah. realistically be... Edmonds has a good year, good two years, and then by year three, he's on the trade market again. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that that is... It's good to not get into, committed into deals like that, especially when your window is just opening. Yeah, um, for sure. That, that's the way I feel too. Yeah, we're we're not that we're not one player away. We're not Tremaine right. Edmonds mm-hmm. away. We're actually we're already there. Anyways, you know we're we're Super Bowl contenders right now without him. So do we need to overpay him? <laughs> Probably not. That's it. Not that he's not actually overpaid. I don't I don't believe that. Oh, I think he's overpaid. I just don't think we're Super Bowl <laughs> contenders. <laughs> Who picked us last year as Super Bowl contenders? Right at the end of the year. Right at all. Oh, 
somebody on TV yeah. picked us as Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> and it wasn't like a Lions fan, but yeah. it was hype. <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the Tremaine Edmonds signing, the Bears are they're obviously, you know, being the aggressive this offseason with the trading the first overall pick and everything. But I also still think it's silly that you traded Roquan Smith for a second round <laughs> pick and then traded a better second round pick for Chase Claypool. And then gave Tremaine Edmonds basically just a little bit less than what you were going to give Roquan Smith, who is a much more talented football player uh, at the same position. So that was just, I don't know. The Bears, they're getting a lot of hype for what they're doing. I don't really see it as much as everyone else. But it could just be because I'm a Lions fan as well. All right, let's get into this contract. Obviously, this is a good one, a fun one for the Lions. The first signing of another player onto our team, Lions signed former Steelers cornerback Cameron Sutton to a three-year, $33 million contract with $22 million guaranteed. What are we thinking about the Cam Sutton acquisition? I mean, I absolutely love it. We wanted to go get a veteran corner, an older corner who was a leader. He's coming from a very uh, a great organization in Pittsburgh, as much as that pains me to say. I was going to say, that's organization. the first time I've heard that. Uh, he comes from there, and he, he he's in Detroit. He, he likes Detroit. He wants to be in Detroit. His inter, he's interviewing great. Oh, and again, yeah. that veteran corner is what yeah. we were lacking. Uh, and just to add, and he's not the only corner we added. We beefed up that whole backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I love Cam Sutton. I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does in the Lions uniform. Yeah, he is so versatile, too. He plays on the outside but can also play the slot corner position. And because of that, he's going to be able to do whatever Detroit needs him mm-hmm. to do. Um, I think he's excited for that role. I do too. Uh, to be the guy. Yeah, he's and and that's the thing. He wasn't a starter in Pittsburgh until two years ago. So he played four years as like a special teams and reserve guy, and then played two years, and now he's got his bag. It's like why? How could that not motivate you to want to be more to get mm-hmm. into that all pro range, right? Yeah, right. So I think that that one is probably the best signing that they've had so far. I would agree. Yeah, and Nate, uh, roommate Nate, he's a Steelers fan, so obviously he. We've been talking to him a lot about the acquisition, and he, you know, he likes Cam Sutton. He thinks that we might have overpaid a little bit for him because the Steelers didn't want to pay him that. But that's coming from a Steelers fan. So what did they really? <laughs> what know? did they know? Uh, they another, wanted Juju yeah. back. Like they were, they loved Juju Smith-Schuster. So <laughs> another cornerback signing, Emmanuel Mosley, comes in on a one-year, six million dollar contract. Um, this seems like a steal of a deal for a guy that was CB1 in San Francisco on elite defense last year before tearing his ACL um, at the midway point in the season last year. Comes in, he was college teammates with Cam Sutton at Tennessee, so those guys already have a connection. Um, and we, we, He comes in to probably be starting cornerback for us. So what do mm-hmm. you think about Emmanuel Mosley on the team? Yeah, I think that health is obviously of... Uh, biggest importance here he tours ACL in what October I believe so I think it was like um, week five yeah so there'll probably be a little bit of time but if he's ready for training camp then by all means it's full steam ahead I think that he's a pretty good player uh he had a what like a 50 yard pick six last year mm-hmm. he was having the best season of his career and then he got hurt unfortunately so I think this might be a good buy low yeah uh, for Detroit Brad Holmes does it again right so I think that his this move is the biggest boom or bust potential, I feel like, um, where he could either be uh, really, really good or he could never get over the injuries and maybe he just kind of breaks down. So I think what, he's a one-year deal, too, Yeah, correct? one year, yeah, yeah, I think so that's perfect. Low risk, high reward exactly, type deal. You exactly. Love those kind of deals. That's the way I feel. Can't go wrong with that one-year deal. I yep. mean, if he, if he doesn't perform... Awesome. He's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay. He's gone next year. If he does perform, we can look at resigning them. And six mil is just not a lot for this Lions team, especially. Yeah. Where where else are we going to dish out that cap space? Right. 
And, you know, I think I'd like to get your opinion on this, but if let's say Mosley comes into training camp healthy Mm -hmm. and, you know, we brought back Will Harris as well. So what Mm -hmm. do we think that these two guys are, you know, starting outside corners to start off the year? Is Jeff Okuda hitting a more inside role? I know that's been talked about, putting him in the slot or playing him inside more. Obviously, Jerry Jacobs is still a part of the team too. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that is a very realistic possibility. I think that... You've kind of narrowed it down to four there with Sutton, Mosley, Jacobs, and Okuda, and I think that's probably the way it goes. Um, I don't see Mike Hughes coming back, and I certainly don't see Amani Overwarrie coming <laughs> yeah. back. I think that the split, the mutual split between the Lions and Overwarrie is good because I think there's still a good player there. I just don't think not Detroit is not – I don't think it's the answer for him. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's very realistic that we could be looking at regular season opener with Sutton on one end and Mosley on the other. I think best case scenario um, for the Lions in their eyes, you've got Okuda out there either on the outside and you slide Sutton into the slot or Mosley into the slot or he's in the slot. Yeah. I think that they still want Okuda to pan out, but I think the Mosley signing especially is more of an insurance plan where right. if Okuda doesn't work out, then we don't have or we have an insurance plan. And also, I don't think you count out drafting a corner either. I think it can certainly happen. I think it could happen at six. But why you bring in both of these guys is so so that you don't have another Okuda situation where you're forcing a rookie corner to go out, play every snap against the league's best right away. Man coverage the entire time, too. No help over the top. Yep. Uh, one thing that I love about all these the the two cornerback acquisitions is we were hurt last year at the cornerback spot. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nice to be able to, okay, somebody goes down, well, all we're doing is pulling Jerry Jacobs into the lineup, and, and I'm cool with that. Yeah, he's not, you know, he hasn't really proved that much yet, but he, he was good last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think just having that depth at the corner position with how banged up we were last year is going to be super, super nice this year. Yeah, I think so too. And we're obviously going to talk about the draft, you know, what we're going to do with the draft. But uh, next signing here is the biggest one of them all as far as controversy goes. I think let's let's wait to talk about, you know, the other side of this with Jamal Williams, obviously. But let's talk about just the player and the signing that the Lions did here. David Montgomery on a three-year, $18 million contract with $11 million guaranteed. What do we think about bringing Monty, keeping him in the north, and he's now a part of the Lions. Chris, I want to hear your opinion first on this because yeah, I've got I mean, my opinion now. I haven't heard yours it's yet. It's hard uh, to talk about one without the other. <laughs> it is. Um, I mean, you can, you, we can talk about it, but I, I say we'll get more in yeah. depth about Jamal afterwards. Because as soon as that domino fell, it was almost simultaneous, right? The reports come out Tuesday night. The Lions and Jamal Williams are far apart on a contract. And then minutes later, David Montgomery mm-hmm. is a Detroit Lion. I love it. I think that that's the right move given the situation they were put in. Their back was kind of against the wall. You don't want DeAndre Swift to be the only guy. Mm -hmm. Because Swift is very good as a supplementary, get him in space and going. Not going to be a guy that gets 25 to 30 carries. You don't want him to be that with his injury history. Yeah. So getting a guy who can be a bell cow back and David Montgomery with a little more versatility as well. He was a threat in the passing game. A little more elusive. I think that it is perfect. And this is one of those situations where you want it to be a win-win for both sides. You want Jamal Williams to go have a really good year with the Saints, but at the same time, you need David Montgomery to be better than Williams was last year, right? So, um, Which is tough. <laughs> it is going to be tough, but with the offensive line, it's easy to envision Montgomery, who ran for 
800 yards last year behind what the Bears called an offensive line. <laughs> now you get into an offensive line with borderline three dudes who could be all pros in Ragnow, Decker, Sewell. You bring in Glasgow, who we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be a stud in this new uh, situation. I think it's a win-win. And he's with the most verse, one of the best OCs in the whole well, yeah. NFL now with Ben Johnson. I'm so excited. And like you said, the versatility of David Montgomery is higher than Jamal Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamal Williams was that power back, and he was great at it, uh, incredible at it even. But Dave Montgomery's ability to actually p- catch the football yeah. in an offense led by Ben Johnson is going to be huge because he just becomes so much more lethal within the system. Yep. And that's what I like so much about Dave Montgomery. And he still is that powerful back. He still is oh, that yeah. guy who can get all those carries, like you said. And, and he's probably just straight up better than Jamal Williams. Oh, yeah. I don't think uh, it's a problem yeah. either. Like, he just is. Yeah. And I mean, and it's just tough because, like, I, I think Mon- it's hard to envision a world where David Montgomery does not have a better year than Jamal Williams did last year. Yeah. Not seven, you know, yeah, 17 not- touchdowns, that's a little different. But, like, if we're being realistic, Jamal Williams had the perfect season for him last year, you mm-hmm. know, with DeAndre Swift being hurt a lot of the year. It seemed like the Lions were really trying to help him break that record that he did end up breaking. You know, he was obviously the goal line back. But one thing that Ben Johnson talked about last year was the one thing he thought this offense was missing was breaking tackles. Yes. He thought broken tackles was the big piece that like would have unleashed this offense even more. You have a guy in David Montgomery who's been top five in broken tackles since he's come into the NFL. Mm-hmm. So he is going to be perfect on this team. It's really hard to envision him not rushing for 1,200 yards next year. Yeah. You know, It's just like he is all around a better running back than Jamal Williams was. Obviously, he might not have the same locker room presence that Jamal did, mm-hmm. which is which hurts, you know, because Jamal was a fan favorite. Everybody loved him, but it's I think it's refreshing as a Lions fan to have a GM that is not making signings with his heart. He's making signings with the stats yes. and the film and whatever makes this team better because that's what Detroit needs, you know. We as much as as it's fun to have the guys that we love we need to be a better football team. Yeah. I think this makes our football team yeah. better. Yeah, thousand percent. It's awesome seeing him as well. And again, another guy who interviews incredibly well. Mm-hmm. He is He's totally too. Yeah, he is bought in right from the yep. start. You know, he said if Jared Goff needs water, I'm getting him water, and yeah. that's the kind of guy we need in Detroit. Uh, and I love it because we, we, you know, that was the fear when we lost Jamal was the. Like you said, the locker room presence, the type of the actual person mm-hmm. that Jamal really was. So it's nice to see David Montgomery's going to come in and almost seemed like he's trying to recoup some of yeah. that and be uh, similar, just be that team-oriented guy, which is just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Plus, every time you, like, I've always seen, like, those funny question Q&A videos with, like, all the NFL teams. Like, every time I see the Bears ones, Montgomery's always doing some funny shit and all yeah. of them. So he, he seems like a pretty funny dude. So it seems like he'll fit in pretty well with this team. So I'm excited about Montgomery. I think the duo of him and Swift is just going to be lethal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. Last couple signings here. Mainly, this is the only big one. Like you said, Graham Glasgow uh, returning to Detroit on a one-year, $4.5 million contract. I think this is very similar to uh, Emmanuel Mosley one, where it's just a, you know, a, a low-risk, high-reward type mm-hmm. of deal to bring him in. I think that um, while this one isn't the biggest, I think this one could be the most important. Uh, because if you sure up that offensive line, with last year when Vitae went out, you had a revolving door of guys, Coyote uh, Ke- Awasika, Evan Brown, Skipper. I mean, you could just go through all them guys, Stenberg, mm-hmm. and none of them were really that good. I think Evan Brown was the best, and he got paid by Seattle, so yep. good for him. Um, but at the same time, if you can get some stability in there, 
Um, and even if he doesn't, if you bring back Vitae and he's got to shift to left guard if Jonah Jack, because Jonah Jackson dealt with injuries last year too, um, but there's a place for him. And that, like, if you get that spot, if you get that one spot shirt up, this this Lions offensive line is one of the best in the league, no doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And like Glasgow's a guy who's versatile. You know, he started off his career with the Lions as a center. Um, obviously, he's a Michigan guy, but you know, mm-hmm. if Ragnar gets hurt, he can move over. We have options there at the guard. I think this does like is Vitae gonna get cut? Like that's something that I I thought that this signing would like yeah. almost ensure that, but it hasn't happened yet. And it would I, I'm pretty sure it would say it was like five million or something like that if he got cut. I thought that's what I saw. So yeah. I don't I, know if that's gonna happen, but I think it's right around nine actually. Oh really? Okay. Um, his contract is nine three, I think. Um, yeah, and so I think by a certain date they would save like five or six, but maybe later in the off season it goes up. I'm not sure. Um, the contract stuff again is so confusing because you see it yeah. in one spot and it's this, and then you go to like Sport Track and it's a exactly. different number. So it's hard to keep up with the Joneses on that. But no, I think the more likely option is Vitae makes it through to training camp and then you make a decision. Yeah. Get him healthy and then figure it out. Um, but at the same time, like the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. And if you want to draft a guy too, then you have to make a decision. And you For just sure. brought in Glasgow, so you might have already made that decision. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking with it, too. Um, I just realized, too, like, we haven't been, like, grading any of these, but, like, who cares? Yeah, I'd give them all an A+. Plus, me, so. too. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm literally thinking, and it would be repetitive and redundant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's, boring. That's what I thought. Um, the last major one here, there's obviously a couple ones, like C.J. Moore got brought back, which yeah. is cool. Michael Badgley, though, is back as the kicker for the Lions on a one-year deal. Does this kill the Jake Moody to Detroit I don't think so. hype? I don't think so. I think that there's a very good chance... And it may not be Moody. It might be somebody mm-hmm. else. But they're going to bring in a kicker, and they will have like they were doing. All, felt like all season long, you'll have Badgley, and you'll have whatever kicker of the week, and you'll have a <laughs> kicking competition, and whoever makes more field goals will be the, the kicker. And and part of that is because um, the kickers, the, there's been so much. It doesn't feel like we've ever had this much kicker fluctuation where dudes are getting cut after like week yeah. one and week four. It kind of felt like when we were younger that. Each team had their kicker for like 10 years. Yeah. Everybody had the same kicker. That's very true. And now it's very um, up and down. And also, Dan Campbell just doesn't like kicking field goals. He so hates it. He, How he doesn't want to pick. Remember their first year, he cut both the kickers? Yeah, yeah, right away. <laughs> yeah. Very cut, first thing he did. Yeah. The roster cut or the roster cut deadline, it was like, Lions are at 54. Who's it going to be? And they cut both of them. <laughs> <laughs> they got rid of both kickers, yeah. which is just wild. Yeah. So, I mean, Badgley gives you some stability at the very least. So, if you if you bring in a guy in the offseason and you don't like him, then you can just stick with that. Does yeah. a guy like Jake Moody just go in the Seventh round, or is he there might a chance? I feel like he's gonna get. I feel like he might go in like the fifth round. He like, might go yeah, early day three. Yeah, yeah, like that'd be awesome. Honestly, I want him so bad in a Lions jersey. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then like, I might buy it and let's sign him to the fifteen year deal. Like let's do. <laughs> let's give him the Jason Hansen. Yeah, yeah. I want fifteen a, years, fifteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I want a long deal for this guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would like that as well. I think Badgley did like earn his spot. I mean, he was pretty solid once he came back to Detroit. Wasn't much of the deep field goal kicker yeah. guy. He was just the I'm gonna hit a forty yarder consistently. <laughs> that dude will hit. You get in between the twenty fives. Exactly. Get into the twenty five, and it's fourth and seven, and you physically can't go for it. Then you gotta. He'll kick probably it. hit it. Yeah, yeah exactly. He'll, 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 hit, he'll hit the extra point. That's about all you ask for. I guess we'll be cool with it. I think to satisfy the fans, since you got rid of Jamal. 
you got to bring in Moody. Yeah, like, just satisfy the fans. Right, like, that's true. Do do one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> what time are we at in this, by the way? 50. Okay. 50 minutes. So before we talk about the draft, um, I think we should talk about who we've lost in free agency yep. and what you know what this means. Obviously, Jamal Williams is the big one, but the first one I, I thought was pretty interesting was the Deshaun Elliott yeah. to Miami. One year, yeah. like $1.1 million, I think. It was a very, very small contract. And he now joins an elite uh, defensive backfield in Miami after they got Jalen Ramsey as well. So what do we think about losing Deshaun Elliott to the Dolphins? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think that you lose a hard hitter coming up from that safety position who can just go, you know, lay the wood. Mm-hmm. Um, Run stop. But at the same time, he played one full season in now five years because mm-hmm. he didn't play a full season last year and he only played one in four years with the Ravens. So I think that it's tough to justify paying him money and, and giving him a longer-term contract when he hasn't proven he can stay healthy. And I think they're going to run into that with Swift uh, after this year. Um, but at the same time, I don't hate it because I'm looking at my, my hypothetical draft board and I'm staring right at Brian Branch from Alabama. And I love that, dude. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's a perfect replacement. Give me mm-hmm. Brian Branch, and then all of a sudden we'll forget about Elliott. And we have Tracy Walker coming back. And we have still Walker too, coming so. back. Yes. Yeah, Walker's a dog. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he's one of the coolest looking guys on the field at all oh, times. Yeah. He is such a cool looking guy. And like, obviously, I wanted to bring back Deshaun Elliott, but if you did bring him back, you know, you you struggle to find a world where Kirby Joseph has as big of a role as he did as, in his rookie season, yeah. where he was pretty solid. You know, so but you also don't want to put too much pressure on him where he could. You know, have a Oruaria type situation yeah, where he was really true. good early on and then kind of doesn't live up to these high expectations that are yeah. set of him now. So we'll see. I obviously would have loved to bring back Elliot, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Let's talk about Jamal Williams, though. Jamal Williams signs a three year, $12 million contract with the New Orleans Saints, $8 million guaranteed. So only three less million guaranteed than David Montgomery. This has been a really weird situation because, you know, like you said, the Lions, pretty, every report I've heard is that the Lions gave Jamal Williams and his team a deadline. Line to come to an agreement yeah. with with uh, a, a deal that they've given him or offered him. Uh, they did not meet that deadline. Jamal Williams goes into the press conference with the New Orleans Saints and says the offer that the Lions gave was disrespectful, um, and he knew that they were done with him, which hurts uh, because how yeah. much he cared about the Lions and everything. And then I've also heard that the Lions offered him a similar contract that they gave David Montgomery. So it's, it's all over the place here. What are we thinking about losing Jamal Williams? Yeah, I think that the, give it a week, and I think that the more credible things will start to come out. I feel like things are just being thrown around right mm-hmm. now. I agree. Um, but my whole take on that is that Jamal Williams, as a running back, like you get to what he what is he now twenty eight? Mm-hmm. You get to that level, and your value starts to decrease. Yep. Because over time, running backs t- who take a lot of hits get hurt, and Jamal Williams had never been used at the volume he was used last year. He had a career year. Is that repeatable? Because it's not for everybody. Not everybody can go out and repeat what he did last year. And if he does it with the Saints, good for him, man. But he took less money to go be with a different team, and which makes me think that maybe the Lions didn't offer him the right. six years that or the six million they offered to Montgomery. But at the same time, like I just, it's hard to justify bringing him back because mm-hmm. you love the guy, you love the person, and you love the player. But at the same time statistically, like he's broke through. He's on the downturn now, and so you don't want to really commit to that for long term. So when you make, and Kyle, I think you said it earlier, you make, you want a GM who makes a decision with their head, not their heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest example that we've seen so far out of Brad Holmes, and I don't hate it. 
Yeah. I don't hate it. And, and good luck to him with the Saints, but at the same time, man, him going in there and going in on the Lions like that was tough to watch. Um, it was hard to see him doing his thing with the Pokemon on his head. <laughs> I, know. I miss it already, but he's, yeah. and you know, hopefully he does well in New Orleans and they might need him with all the Alvin Kamara stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. Easton, what do you think? I know that you were very heartbroken the moment David Montgomery was brought in. Yeah. Um, I know that you've probably changed your mind a little bit, but what are, what are you, what's your whole thought on this situation? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a guy who loves the, the person more than the athlete. Yeah. A lot of the times with athletes, uh, depending on who you are and who you present yourself as. You know, I was a huge John Morant fan until Yikes. his antics before this season. And, and even, like, I quit being a fan before any of, like, the recent stuff came out. Uh, but, like, so Jamal was the, the guy, you know. Yeah. His attitude was great. I listened to the pump-up speech before I go and weightlift. I listened to his, you know, if you're going to piss like a puppy, stay on the yep. porch. Like, and that, that, that just kind of gets you going. But you're right. It was... And, you know, days later, I'm sitting there and I'm going, yeah, everybody's right. I mean, David Montgomery's a better running back, and we got him for three years on a, on a, I think it's a steal of a deal. I mean, six mil a year for what that guy Only can give us. guaranteed as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just so money. And again, his versatility. And that's where, but the, to see Jamal say that about the Lions, say what he said about Lions, it, it does really, really hurt. But he kind of did the same thing with the Packers. I mean, he did a, he didn't really talk highly of the Packers when the Packers, when he left the Packers, mm-hmm. and so maybe that was to be expected from Jamal. Uh, maybe a little bit of character showing through, but or the Lions treating him like shit in this offseason. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what comes out. Not excited. I'm interested to see what comes out in the next few weeks, but it hurt instantly when David Montgomery got signed. But after the time has passed, I'm definitely I'm, I'm okay, and I'm ex- I'm I am intrigued to see what Jamal does mm-hmm. in New Orleans. I think he'll be solid still. Yeah. yeah. I think the main reason why it, it stung so bad was because I thought it really felt like it's such a guarantee yes. that Jamal yes. Williams was going to be back on this team. You know, he went on first take with Stephen A. Smith and talked about how the Lions are taking the North next year. And it just, it really felt like he was already on the Lions. You know, like mm-hmm. it didn't yeah. think like it was a possibility that we lose him. I honestly thought that it was higher chance that Jamal's on this team next year than Swift was. I Me agree too. with that. And so, you know, when this all happened it was like really shocking and it was like what's going on and I think like you said now that it's been a week or so since it's happened I think most Lions fans have come to terms that this is the smarter move uh to make than than what you know than bringing Jamal back um, obviously if we would have just lost Jamal and not gotten anyone <laughs> it would have been like you yeah know, what's going on here but uh it's clear that I think Brad Holmes showed that he is not messing around you know it's like we we they wanted to upgrade, and if they or they wanted to bring him back, if not, we are going to upgrade. That's exactly what they did. You can't hate on the guy for doing that because that's exactly what Detroit needs is a guy that is is trying to make the team better, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what he did. So I do have one question. Uh, Dan Campbell is a noted crier, a known man crier. Yeah, loves to cry. <laughs> man, do crier. we think he's standing in that room on deadline day, just like trembling, the bottom <laughs> lip quivering? Gets the phone call from Jamal's agent. Yeah, we're out. Do you think the tears started coming? Probably. Jamal, I love you, man. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, see, I just don't know because like it seemed like Montgomery was already like it was just like almost there waiting, you know? Yeah, it was no, like, definitely. They probably had you know, they've got however many phones in their office. They've probably got Montgomery on line one and yeah, Jamal exactly. on line two. Like so Jamal it, says no, uh, boom, okay, we're in at six million a year. That's for gotta be Montgomery. such a difficult decision making group, you know, to oh. go through, especially with how emotional they are. Yeah. Like it's I mean, just being in that whole like that. Them, them making that decision 
it's got to be so tough for those guys because they're so attached to their guys, you know? And and it's one of the things that makes them so special is how much they really do care. I mean, you see Dan Campbell is a guy who, what makes him such a great football player, football coach is how much he cares about these guys. He's a guys. leader. He's bought and, in. Yeah. And and these guys see it and they, they play so hard for him. You see it yeah. last year. We had a bunch of dogs on the field. No matter who was on the field, we could, uh, you know, Monty or I mean, he wasn't that great last year, but he was a dog. I mean, he played hard. He plays hard. Uh, and I think that's what Dan Campbell does. And I can imagine what it's like sitting in that room with a guy you bought into uh, last season, had a breakout year, talked about the Lions, talked so highly, had that interview at the end of the year. The, the, yeah, the emotional one. The emotional one at the end of the year, talking about, you know, quit playing with us. Uh, to not bring him back probably hurt those guys so much I in the know. moment. But it's also nice to see them have, like, the, the power and the discipline to not make the mm-hmm. move. I just see Dan Campbell at a press conference in, like, two weeks, and he's got the hat up top. You <laughs> yeah. can't see it if you're listening. He's got it up here like this. And he's just Fernando like, Rodney style. He's just like, Jamal, man. <laughs> We just wanted to bring him back bad, but, you know, it's a businessman. <laughs> it's a businessman. <laughs> it's a businessman, and we're going to do what we can. We're really excited about what David brings to this team, man. Yeah, the most He's classic like, response ever. Sweat. Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. He's been doing down-ups for the last six hours. Yeah, it's always a, it's always a business. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see that as well. Um, okay, before we get into the draft, one more guy that has not been signed yet but is still out available on the market yep. is DJ Chark. Uh, who, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him coming back to the Lions. He posted on his Instagram story yesterday uh, a highlight tape of him from this last season, his Lions highlights. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything, but maybe it does. Who knows? Was that um, a short tape? <laughs> yeah, it, it, no. it was just it was just a little clip of him, yeah. you know, I'm, just his touchdowns and stuff. I'm a little more confused by the action of posting your highlights themselves. Like, what is, is it, did it have like the little huddle circle around? <laughs> I just, you're an NFL player, man. They know, they've seen it. They you don't need to be putting your stuff out. Like, I just envision him like, coaches, get at me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> get yeah. at me, six four. Check out my tape. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, DJ Chark, unsigned. Oh, yeah, I would assume that being that he got a one year deal last year he's looking for a multi-year deal but he only played in what five or six games this year so you know can he get that multi-year deal what do you think the likelihood on a percentage scale of dj chark returning is i think it's more likely now than it was at the beginning of the offseason um i think he what did he visit carolina Mm -hmm. i think so yeah um i think he has a good chance of coming back i think that they'll match they might take it even up a little bit i think maybe you get him somewhere in the realm of like two years 22 million um, or maybe even maybe they go three with uh with low guarantees in the mm-hmm. third year. Um, I think that he is certainly a player that they should at least look into bringing back. Just because if I mean think about that receiving core. If you don't have to draft a wide out, and you could just get that whole group back for next year, whew. looking fun. But at the same time, J- Jameson Williams could just essentially take that role over. Yeah, that's that, so, that's kind of where I am. I'm not that. hurt if he doesn't come back. Um, and then you can go get another guy in the. In the draft, so I mean, I think that it's about fifty-fifty right now. Yeah, I'm pretty indifferent about whether or yeah. not we bring him back. If we bring him back, cool. If we don't, cool. I think I'm uh, the same exact way. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't really mm-hmm. it, it matters, but I'm I'm indifferent about what. We I do. love Chark because he was fun on this team, and he clear he had a clear bond with the group. I yeah. thought him and Amon Ra really showed that they were like really close throughout the year, which is awesome. Um, but also, I I really do 
like the idea of drafting another wide receiver and adding to this young core that we don't have to pay for years to come you know so I I really like that idea as well where we have a you know a guy from the past three drafts that we've all you know going forward so we'll see um but for now whatever happens happens I I don't I don't think there's going to be some team out there that gives him this bag that we can't you know sign I think it's going to be a if some team offers him something yeah we probably could offer him that too Mm -hmm. will they who knows so let's get into uh, the draft talk because now with the Lions, they've they've signed a guy at basically every positional need, you yeah. know, other than I would say linebacker. Obviously, we brought back Anzalone, but we didn't bring anyone in to play that position. Whereas every other spot, we've either brought back the guys that were there or we added guys to the group. So it's going to be interesting to see where, you know, with five top 81 picks, like where do these guys yeah. go? So I wrote down your latest mock draft, mm-hmm. obviously, like I did last time. Um, so let's go through each pick. At pick six, you had Will Anderson going at pick six here. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm interested. What's the thought process behind this one? You know, what? where's the world where Will Anderson falls to six? Look, I think that in today's, like, media-driven atmosphere, I think there's a very good chance that Will Anderson is available at six for the sole reason that you have first four picks are quarterbacks, right? That's the only way this happens. Yeah, right. Is if Carolina goes quarterback at one, and then what is it? Houston, Houston and then Arizona, Arizona could trade out, out, and then Indianapolis will take a quarterback at four. Then you get to Seattle at five, assuming Seattle doesn't trade for one of those top four. You get to Seattle at five, and there's this guy named Tyree Wilson that everybody seems to love. Mm-hmm. And I think that much like Trayvon Walker did last year, you'll see him rise because you know he has a good pro day, he has a good combine, like all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, the best player on defense is waiting right there for you at six. Yeah, he's right Let's there. Let's not overthink this. No. Yep. I think if Seattle doesn't take Will Anderson at five, you have to take him at oh, five. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. And it, I mean, honestly, with the whole Jalen Carter thing, if all that wouldn't have went down, I think that there's a good chance Anderson makes it to you at six. Mm-hmm. Now it's just up to the evaluators whether Seattle goes Anderson or Wilson or Miles Murphy at five. Um I think that there's a very good chance that we could be seeing Will Anderson in a Lions jersey. I think I'm more confident now than I was at the beginning of the offseason. So. I, I think so, too. I'm just interested to see, you know, like we can talk about the Jalen Carter thing. You're obviously a guy that takes a lot of, you know, research into the draft yes. process and everything. Like, And there's I, I've seen Jalen Carter might fall out of the top 10 of the draft now, yeah. you know. Like there's talks about, I don't know if he'll be there at 18, but even if he is there at 18, like do the Lions even want to bring in a guy with character problems? They don't seem like in a team that would. And obviously, he showed up to his pro day seemingly not yeah. caring, I guess you could say, um, not taking it very seriously. Like, what's what's the whole Jalen Carter situation? That's so hard because the whole incident that happened at Georgia, very tragic, um, that is more of like a maturity thing. It's just like he, you go to Georgia, you're on top of the world, right? You're back-to-back national championships, and then a disaster happens. And then that is like, okay... Other than that, we haven't heard anything bad about like character problems. We know what he is as a football player. So it's like that whole thing is more of coming to terms with can we trust him mm-hmm. from a maturity standpoint to not go and make bad decisions that get not only himself but other people in trouble. Um, and then the whole pro day thing happened. I think that character issues – character speaking from a character perspective, I think Detroit is a very good spot for somebody with character problems because you're coming into an organization that will care about you, that will love you, that will treat you like their own. 
Um, you've got a head coach, a GM, an owner now, even with Sheila, who are all very invested in these players. And because of that, that is a great spot for somebody who is going through a hard time or struggling or has a history of bad decisions. That, this is a perfect spot for them. However, you get to the pro day thing, and I think that's the deal breaker because Dan Campbell has talked about people who love football, who eat and sleep football, who do nothing but want to play football. And Jalen Carter shows up to his pro day not given an F. Like, mm-hmm. that is a horrible look for him. I bet you that is what takes him out. Um, and then, obviously, if something comes out about the whole traffic incident, like, if it's a deal breaker, obviously you can't take him. But from a character perspective, I think that Detroit is a very good spot for people who want to develop as people. Uh, you saw it with Jamal Williams. Like, Jamal Williams was not somebody who – Jamal Williams, I'm not talking about character. I'm just talking about personality because he. you saw him really come out of his shell mm-hmm. where he's wearing the anime things. Now he's wearing the anime beanie in press conferences. Like, Detroit allowed him to develop and be his yeah, own person. Yeah, for sure. And I, I believe it would have the same impact on somebody who has character concerns, but with the whole pro day thing and him not caring or not appearing to care, gaining weight, not finishing his drills, I think that is what takes him out for the Lions. Yeah, you got to love the process. Yes. It's not just about the product. If you don't love coming to practice every day and working your ass off, mm-hmm. then we don't want you in Detroit. You're not a Dan Campbell guy. And and you're probably not a football guy, in yeah. all honesty. You're you're not football guy of the week with that type of attitude. Yeah. Uh, and that that's the issue. If you have a bunch of players who can just you can go out there and get the job done, yeah. but the NFL isn't for those guys. No. The NFL is for the hard ass workers who yeah. are gonna bully people every day. You know, there was the talks of what Penny Sewell would do. Uh him and Hutch just go at it. Yeah. You know, and if we, if we bring Jalen Carter and does he just not give it? Oh, well, I don't need to be going hard. Blah blah. blah I'm Jalen Carter. That's that's I don't a character think that would problem fit at all. No, not at all. And all of a sudden you've got Dan in his ear and he's not going to play. And then all of a sudden it develops and develops. Yeah. Or like you said, we fall in love with him and force him to work hard. And yeah. he, he starts working hard. He changes his ways. Uh, but it's too difficult to take a chance with the sixth overall pick. Yeah. I honestly that. do think that even if he's there at eighteen, I, I really think the Lions pass. I just feel like this, I agree. It, it seems like a situation that the Lions are willing to just stay away from at this point. Um, so at 18th overall pick in your mock draft, you had the same thing that you did in the last one uh, that we talked about. Mm-hmm. That was Os- Osiris Torrance, um, interior offensive lineman from Florida going here. Even with the Graham Glasgow signing, I agree that this is still a need. You know, Graham Glasgow is a bit well, one-year guy, basically. It's still need to add to this group going yeah. forward. Uh, so what's the thought process behind this Yeah, one? I'll make this one quick. I think that it's all about insurance. I think that you got to have insurance in the interior offensive line. I think that when you look at Glasgow being on a one-year deal and Vitae being um, very close to the end of his run as a Lion, I don't envision him ever resigning. Um, it's good to have that insurance and to get the best offensive lineman outside of the two tackles and Skaronsky and um, Paris Johnson, although I do think the Lions could be in on Skaronsky if he's available, um, given his versatility to play guard or tackle. Mm-hmm. I just think getting insurance up front is huge, especially when you want to build your team through the run game and the offensive line. Yeah, I, I agree with the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. E- exactly. So quiz, question I do have here, though, is uh, obviously I'm very invested on Lions Twitter. I love yes. hearing the, the talk about what fans are talking about and what you know the rumors are. Um, so a guy that you know there was that talk at the beginning of the of the combine process where the Dan Campbell said there was four guys that had the it factor yeah. or whatever, and then they gave off the list of guys that have already you know worked out for them and they've spoken to a heavy rumor that one of those it factor guys is Quentin Johnston, wide receiver of yeah. TCU. Um, now obviously that you know the Lions are in a weird spot where it's like what do we take here? 
what where is a world where you know the Lions decide we want to keep adding to this elite offense and we draft Quentin Johnson in the first round? <laughs> I, you know, or a wide receiver. It doesn't have to be him, but it you could know. be. It could very well be. I mean, if you ask Ben Johnson, I think that the answer <laughs> is either it's six or eighteen. Um, I could see a world where maybe they trade out a six, and you get into that. 10 to 12 range, and maybe that is where you could pull the trigger on uh-huh. wide receiver. I just, I think it's too early at six, and he's not going to be there at 18. Yeah. And maybe if you trade out and find a sweet spot right in the middle, um, I think the only way that happens, though, is if Shark doesn't come back. And if Shark doesn't come back, then you can kind of justify it a little bit. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that that's certainly a possibility. I don't think there's any option that's off the board here. Yeah. yeah. I also don't think quarterback's off the board. Mm-hmm. It would be awesome to get another big-bodied receiver like Quentin Johnson. Yeah, it would I mean, be, it would be good shark awesome. replacement, same size. Yep. He's quick versus how forest size. Go up and get it type yeah. of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a dog. So another one, uh, you know, we bring in David Montgomery, obviously. However, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this before the draft, how we believe DeAndre Swift could be in his last year as a Lion or maybe even traded before. Yep. Is Bijan Robinson still in play for being drafted at pick eighteen, or maybe you know they draft another guy with our sec- one of our second round picks? I think that it's not off the board. I think that I think Bijan is going to go a lot earlier than people think. Yeah. I think either somebody's going to trade up to get him, or I think the latest maybe Philly takes him at ten. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Yeah. You think he's going that early? Yeah, gotcha. I think Philly could take him at ten. That might be the earliest he could go, but he. He's just such a good athlete. He's so just good. he's just sweet. You watch yeah. him play, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's there at 18, I'm <laughs> sprinting to the car with that card. I'm sprinting it to co- the commish. Um, you know, it's, it, it'd be hard to justify having Swift and Montgomery and now Bichon, but yeah. I think Swift could get you a halfway decent return if you want to trade him, but obviously you'd have to trade him first or else you got no leverage. Yeah, so, exactly. Sure. I think if you, know, if you want to make that move, then go crazy, but... I, I do think it's realistic. I just don't think it's as possible as it is right now. So if you, you you're saying if he's there at 18, you take him. Oh yeah, no matter what. Uh, I wouldn't go. I would stop short of no matter what. I think that you'd have to move Swift. Um, but maybe Swift is part of a deal that you make with another team to trade up to get him. Oh, that's not a, yeah. Maybe you I mean trade him to Philly. <laughs> trade him to Philly for ten. Here, you take your experience running back. We want this young, the young gun, the old. You take the old bull. We want yeah. the young cat. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> that would definitely be interesting. Um, and then the last thing you already brought it up here. You know where it, the Lions now have it, the the pick at six is up in the air. I really do think it is. I think it's going to be edge, maybe Christian Gonzalez, maybe, but. What is the world where the quarterback gets taken? You know, it's been it's kind of gone under the radar now these past couple of weeks with all these signings. But you know, let's say Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson both go before, and one of these four quarterbacks is there. You know, what what is the actual chances that we decide maybe that is our biggest need and we draft one? Yeah, um, it's on the table. It's on the table, and I think that the fact that the Lions haven't went out and got a veteran backup yet tells you everything you need to know mm-hmm. because they're not going to have. The some in an ideal world you wouldn't have some fourth, fifth, sixth round quarterback backing up Jerry. Yeah, Brown. yeah, oh yeah. So if you wanted to go late round quarterback, maybe you bring in a guy like a Teddy Bridgewater or a, you know somebody like that where you could maybe stash the late round guy on the practice squad uh-huh. for a year. Um, but that hasn't happened yet, and I think that maybe you could see that with Nate Sudfeld where they just bring him back. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a good chance. That the Lions are seeing one of these young guys, whether it be 
Richardson or Young or I think Stroud is right now the favorite to go number one. He is, which is kind of crazy, but um, I think so too. I think yeah, we can get into that later. But I think that if a guy like Anthony Richardson is just sitting there at six, how do you not? Oh, with a fifth year option, how do you not take a chance on him? You 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 do. I think you have to, especially with golf starting. I mean, it's not like. We, I mean, if, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. We still have Jared Goff, and he is just so polarizing as a prospect. Yeah, and I think that the other thing about Richardson, too, that kind of tends to slip through the cracks is this dude can fly, so you can get him in the offense in year one as like a read option, wildcat-type quarterback where he's you know, lined up in the shotgun making all these reads just to decide whether he's going to hand it off or pull it. But you can give him that exposure to come mm-hmm. into games, to see defenses, to see how they line up and make reads and adjustments and changes to the offense. It's just like, how can you not? Yeah, maybe you, you stick him in there and you treat him almost like the Saints treat uh, Taysom Hill. Yes. A very specialty guy. We're You don't know what play we're going to throw at you and Anthony Richardson's in the backfield. Well, yeah, and then when teams start to adjust to the run when he's played an only read option plays for the first eight weeks, then you give the fans what they want. Yeah. We'll play action. It's over the top. Williams. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Especially with Derek Goff, you know, needing a new contract here coming up. You know, it's, it's still an interesting world. I don't think that... I honestly don't think Will Levis will be drafted with this sixth pick. I think they would just decide to not take him. Um, but like you said, if Anthony Richardson is there, if there's a guy I trust to develop him, it's Ben Johnson. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens there. But I, I, I'm not off the board on it. I know a lot, a lot of Lions fans are really, you know, one way or the other on this. They'd be, they're going to hate the Lions if they draft a quarterback. You know, it's it's whatever. I'm, I'm on board for whatever they do at those picks. So, Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's no option off the table at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, I, I think sure. Edge is the most likely option yeah, you know, with agree. Wilson or Anderson. I think if one of those two are there, I think it's almost a lock that one of them gets picked. But you never know. We'll see. Um, then with your with other uh, both second round picks and the third, we'll go through quickly. Yep. Um, all defensive players, obviously a much need. We have linebacker Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. Definitely will be a linebacker drafted with one of these first five picks. Yeah, I'd be shocked sure. if not. Um, with their other second round pick at 55, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Yeah. I don't know if you know how to pronounce Siaki his name. Aika, okay. I believe is how you say yeah. it. Um, but defensive tackle out of Baylor, I think that is one of the positions that, you know, maybe we could draft at, uh, at a higher pick as well, yeah. just because we could add more to that group. And then at pick 81, you have Julius Brent, uh, defensive back out of Kansas State going there. So, any, you know, just quickly if you have any likes yeah, about those guys. I like Simpson because he's athletic. I think that Ika is a guy who can really help anchor against the run, um, which would be a good pairing to have with Ali McNeil as another mm-hmm. guy who maybe in run packages could just just be studs against mm-hmm. the run. And then Brents is a guy who's very interesting to me, and I need to keep looking into him, but when you look at his combine numbers, you go, oh my god. 41-inch vertical. Like I think he was 11-5 in the broad jump. It's just like, this dude is an absurd athlete who just needs to develop a little bit more, and I think that this would be a good spot for him, just because he's like, I believe he's like six foot two, super long. Um, he could play like the nickel position that Aaron Glenn loves that like big nickel uh kind of like what I believe Will Harris did and Deshaun Elliott did a little bit of it and Kirby Joseph as well just fly around hit people and then when the ball comes your way pick it off so mm-hmm. I like him a lot is there anything else Lions related that you you'd want to get off your chest or any any like sleeper things that you think could happen just like anything at all really that that you would like to talk about um, that I think have gone that down? Really, the only impending thing is whatever's going to happen with Shark. Mm-hmm. I think that he very well could be coming back to the Lions. Um, but other than that, it's just about getting to know some of these guys and figuring out um, 
how the Lions plan to use a guy like David Montgomery. What are they going to do at wide receiver? And, of course, the all-knowing question, who is going to be the backup quarterback? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's exciting. I think it's a really exciting time to be a Lions fan just because <laughs> they could go just about any, any way with the draft. Yeah. Um, you got really every position is still kind of a position of need. It's like you could pick whoever you want, you could sign whoever you want. It's like you're gonna look at it and be like, okay, I see how this guy fits. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how the draft goes down. Obviously, we still have quite some time up until then, so some moves could be made. Who knows? Maybe the Lions orchestrate some trades up until that point. You never know with Brad Holmes what yep. he's what he's cooking up in the lab. Um, Quickly, Aaron Rodgers' situation to New York Jets. I would love to hear what you think about that. The Packers have, or Aaron Rodgers has really screwed over the Green Bay Packers as far as from a leverage standpoint. He's an interesting Um, guy. You know, they want a Matt Stafford type package, but it's now it's sounding that they're not even going to get a a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers yeah. in a potential trade. So what do you what do you think of that about that whole ordeal? I just think it's funny how time is repeating itself with the whole Brett Favre to the Jets and now it's Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. And he made this big old event out of it on Pat McAfee's show, which good for Pat McAfee. I mean, he got a crazy ratings. <laughs> yeah, he had the probably. highest viewed show of his whole time, yeah. Um, but I still just think that he's past his prime. Like he could go to New York and have a really good year. But like also the Jets aren't really losing out on if he doesn't come. I think he will. But I just think it would be really funny if we get to day one of training camp and Aaron Rodgers is still on the Packers and he still is owed $50 million or whatever. I just think that would be so, <laughs> so awesome. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. I can see them holding out on it too. I mean, like not the, like the Packers are in a really bad situation. They are right in a now. tough spot right now. Because they, you know, if a while back you could have gotten all this, but now that he openly said, I'm going to the New York Jets <laughs> when you are on the Green Bay Packers still, it doesn't really help out the Green Bay Packers very much. Well, yeah, because no other team is going to trade exactly, for him. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And Why would any other team want. want to trade for him? Yeah, so. yeah, there's no way you get what you want in return mm-hmm. yeah, for yeah. that. We'll see if Zach Wilson ends up on the Green Bay Packers next <laughs> that year. That would be objectively pretty The fun. Lions are the favorite to win the NFC North uh, officially now. So As we'll they see. should be. Yeah, yes, I, sir. I agree. So we'll see what happens. Maybe DeAndre Swift uh, trade talks amp up. But I do think a Swift-Montgomery backfield is kind of what this team uh, is envisioning for next year Absolutely. so we'll, we'll see with that but yeah that's basically it we got anything else that we want to talk about or nope i think good? that's it all right thanks it. for coming on again christian we will most yes, likely sir. have you on again around draft time Let's excited go. for that um check out you know plug you can plug your stuff again that people yeah. go check out at seaboor on twitter and then all my articles are at um i'm gonna butcher the link here but i think it's si.com slash lions um, you can find all my stuff there. It'll all be in the description for anybody listening. Everything's in the description. slash NFL slash Lions. We there plug you, you. We plug Very you. Very easy. I appreciate that. Go check out all of his mock drafts and all the articles talking about the Lions because it is a perfect time of year to get involved with that. Yes, sir. And go green today. Go Spartans. Yeah. If they lose when you're listening to this, it's going to be a sad time for me, but it's whatever. Bye. Peace. Peace. <laughs>